Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I want to continue on our series. I really enjoyed Natasha's message last week. The difference between the spirit nature and the soul. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that uh, in a few weeks' time when we talk about the soul connections, the soul ties, and how that kind of works and spiritual ties, the good, the bad, the ugly of, of all of that. And I uh, enjoyed the week before, of course. And uh, uh, James is preaching in a, a prophetic ministry. But I think in our world today, in our Western culture, probably a little bit more than most cultures, Western, that means I'm talking uh, some a little bit about Polynesia, just a little bit, but not much, uh, but definitely European culture. But Western culture at large, at large, I think we need to look at the whole principle of honor. It's a really interesting word because what honor does, honor stems from humility. Honor stems from compassion and love. We honor people. To give you a definition of honor, it would mean to highly value someone, to esteem someone, to lift them up, to recognize their intrinsic worth. Okay, so when we talk about intrinsic worth, a baby in the womb has intrinsic worth. Then we go right across from the baby, and uh, we understand uh, the dynamic of all that, but uh, an unborn child is honored before the Lord, named You've got to understand that God knows before the foundations of the earth that that child was going to be born into a womb. So it's highly honored and highly esteemed. And somehow we've lost our regard internationally over that. And then we come right over, right over to old people. And of course, we understand they're trying to, the whole euthanasia principle and all sorts of things. Uh, but we honor the elderly. Now, this is important that we honor people regardless of education, social status, uh, assets, uh, regardless of family, you know, dynamic or prestige, regardless of nationality, God actually honors uh, the degenerate, the people that don't know Christ, God highly esteems. So I'm going to go through honor and I'm going to try and wrap it up today, but it's a powerful series. God honors us because we are all created in his image. We're not uh, by chance, we're not plasma or a bit of matter. The evolutionary concepts, no, we are created by design. Very important we understand that there's a creation and a creator. God created the heavens and the earth. And every single person has been here still has very, very high value in God. Now, does it, dishonor is really interesting because what dishonor means, dishonor is to bring someone low. It means to not recognize the person, to esteem them low, to give them no regard. And uh, so, so when Jesus was on the earth, we can see the ministry of Jesus brokered past the culture, the Judaism culture of the time, and honored people that the society had rejected. He honored lepers. Now, lepers, according to Levitical law, were an unclean. They were unclean because they were leprosy, and a lot of people thought, well, you deserve it, and so forth. It must be a curse. But Jesus stretched out his hands, and he became unclean, like contagious goodness you know what I mean he touched their lives and it was deemed unclean and so he broke past that kind of law with a woman at the well where a guy was not supposed to be speaking if you go into the east today it's a little bit like that when a guy doesn't talk to a girl and uh, Jesus was left alone talking to her Samaritan a Gentile 
And uh, we see it, uh, Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, was despised and ripping people off and taking his own people's taxes against a regime, a Roman regime, that nobody liked because it was an oppressive or suppressing regime, and the Jewish community was living underneath that. So he was kind of seen as a traitor. Jesus honored him, and he said, I'm coming to your place for dinner tonight. It blew everybody away. It's amazing. But, you know, we would never have, and I want to say this, we would never, ever have a rape if a man honored a woman. It would shut down the pornography industry, wouldn't it? Because at the end of the day, some of these things exist because we feed them. But it would shut down that, that industry if men began to, and women now, began to honor other women. Adultery, and I'm going to throw these things out because I think it's important either we speak the truth or we just play church. So we wouldn't have adultery because what, what adultery is, it's actually breaking a holy covenant unto the Lord and unto the husband or wife. We wouldn't have that if there was honor. I don't believe there would be domestic violence in the home. How could there be if we honored our wives' men? Uh, there wouldn't be theft. We would actually work nine to five or eight to 4.30 and put an honest day's work in to honor our bosses. We wouldn't take extended lunches. <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> we wouldn't have the screaming matches and the yelling matches. How about long-term offense? When we hold somebody in disdain and we dislike them because of a, a family issue and an event that's taken place, maybe we've just crossed swords with them. But long-term offense, if we honored people, we would extend forgiveness to them easily. Genocide, when we begin to uh, ridicule a community and begin to, to, uh, to criticize them and through the media and through newspapers and, and so forth. And we've seen right throughout uh, our, our, our world where one community, one people group has warred and overpowered another community, calling them animals and dogs and not worthy of living. That would never happen if we honored each other. It's incredible. And, and what I believe today is we've kind of lost the sense of honor. Even in the realm of politics, what's happening in America, some of the things that are said on social media, some of the outrageous criticisms, some of the nastiness, it wouldn't take place if we honored one another. It's okay to have a difference of an opinion. That's not what we're saying. But when we begin to value people, and I want to challenge us, I believe as Christians that we should be the most honorable people in Rarotonga. We should be the best workers. We should be the most sought out of people because we have integrity. We honor others because we've been honored. God has honored you. And because you, you have it, you, a royal uh, priesthood, I was going to say a royal priesthood, a royal uh, a priesthood because God has honored you, you begin to honor others. And sometimes, admittedly, it's actually hard to honor others because we do, we've never learned to honor ourselves because we've, been, we've grown up in a context where perhaps dad or mum or our guardians didn't quite honor us. And so there's an impartation into our life of dishonor or maybe abuse and hurt and pain and wounding. And because of that, out of the, out of the abundance of our heart, in our own experiences, in our own worldview, we begin to dishonor so many people because that's the way we've been treated. But when we've received Christ's love, we've been brought into His community, we begin to esteem the elderly. Amen. Amen. 
Come on, some of you elderly people, you don't know what's going to happen in 20 years' time. He should be saying, amen, hanging on to, to dear life there, you know. And, uh, but yeah, it, it's very true. Now, how about this? Uh, uh, Romans uh, 1, 2, 1. The first thing we've written here, and we know the scripture, uh, is that when we lose our honor for people, we actually lose our appreciation of them. We treat them familiar. We laugh at dad. We laugh at mum. And that's okay to do that, but sometimes there's an edge to it. There's a lack of respect. We criticize our leaders, our government leaders, governmental leaders, and there's an edge to it rather than honoring. And we need the fear of the Lord, I believe, in our ranks to highly esteem every single person because we all have worth. The Bible says we honor, we give honor where honor is due. Uh, in uh, 1 Peter 2.17, it says, have honor for everybody. Incredible, everybody. There are no exclusions. We honor them. We may not agree with what somebody does. That's fine. That's not what we're talking about. But as a person, we honor, we highly esteem, we highly regard them, we highly recognize them because they are worthy. Okay. In Romans 1.21, it says, because although they knew God, uh, they understood God. Uh, they did not glorify, they did not honor God. So they knew about God, and there are plenty of people that have been brought up in a Christian context or Christian home. They know about God, but with their lifestyle, they don't actually honor God. So because although they knew God, they did not glorify and honor Him as God, nor were thankful as a process. So first up, they, didn't, they knew God, but they didn't glorify or honor him as God. The natural thing or the natural overflow now is to not have a thankful attitude. But as a result of not having thankful attitude, the next process, they became futile in their thinking, which means dull in their thinking, and they become foolish and darkened in their hearts. And uh, that's actually a true process of what I believe that we are seeing in the world today. We would never have slander. We would never have drunkenness. We honor our bodies. We would never engage in, uh, in immorality, what is called sex outside of marriage, because it's actually breaking a holy covenant before it even starts. We wouldn't have that. We wouldn't have suicide if we honored our own bodies. These kinds of things. We wouldn't have the gossip, uh, getting around a bit of a table and undermining a husband or undermining our wives or undermining the government, undermining the opposition, something like that. We wouldn't actually do that. I'm telling you, it's time to honor. It's time to highly honor honor people. Let me tell you this. If a husband honors his wife and a wife honors the husband, you will have peace in your house. If a husband does not honor his wife and a wife does not honor the husband, you will have strife and contention in your home. And when you have strife and contention, let me tell you what happens. This insecurity gets fed into the children's lives. And the natural outworking of, of that is rebellion. And uh, we kind of think our kids are going to be good because they look so beautiful. It's hard to see that a little child running around and have the innocence of life would actually chart their own course in independence and rebellion. Sometimes it's hard to see. But nonetheless, we know. Nonetheless, we know. It's an experience. We, it happens to our families. It happens. It's not always the answer because it's not always the issue because there are other factors involved. I understand that. But I'm saying this, that I believe God wants us to honor the Lord first. Honor Him. Capture Him. Bring his presence into his home. Because sometimes our house, you ready for this? We can have division in the household. The person that we love most, we can still be divided. We might be geographically close in the same bed, but our soul is divided. 
dishonor. There's a separation. It's like that wedge, wedge between the siblings. It's like a wedge has got in. I believe the enemy thrives on dishonor. The kingdom of God is about honor. Somebody say amen. <laughs> okay. When I was in, uh, I think Kevin might have been on this trip, but I was in uh, uh, Dubai. We were in Dubai, and we were ministering to some Nigerians late at night, about 11 o'clock at night, on a rooftop, about 40 or so, only about 40 or so. And I place, I was going to speak, and I place my Bible on the ground. I'll give you an illustration. Uh, Pastor Henry, who has a church, couple of churches over there, and uh, he said to me this. He said, hey, Jonathan, um, please don't put your Bible on the ground. And I said, okay. And uh, having the humble, teachable spirit I had, nah. And uh, he said, don't do that. He said, because you're dealing with an Islamic community. And he said, Muslims highly regard and highly esteem the Quran. He said, you watch when you go to Pakistan in there. He said, if you get the, if you get the, uh, the privilege, if you like, or the opportunity to see the Muslims, how they will actually carry the Quran into the room. And he said, they will always keep it uh, shoulder height or hip height. They don't put it, definitely don't put it on the ground. They will not put it down low by their feet or anything like that. They'll actually bring it in like this and unfold it. He said, the Islamic community know how to honor. He said, in the Western world, we've dropped these things. Did you know that was about three years ago? I have never once put my Bible even on the carpet of my own home because I don't have carpet. <laughs> we have tiles. And uh, so I don't do that either. But out there, I've been praying many a times in the morning after a prayer meeting. I'll read the Word and go back into there before I start work. And uh, it's easy for me to get distracted uh, or, or whatever. If I get distracted, I've got a call or something. And, and, uh, and I could place this Bible on the carpet because it's a clean room. You know what I mean? It's a nice room. We've done that up for the kids and there's not heavy boots in there. But I still don't do it because of Henry's words. And it's true. And I thought to myself, how about our honor of the Word? Our respect of the word. We know that people have died putting this together. People have died translating it together, putting it into different languages around the world. And yet we've got four or five Bibles in our house sometimes. We don't even bother to read them. Isn't it incredible? Isn't it amazing? Sometimes I think we've got it too good. A bit of persecution could be quite good for the church, eh? Don't you reckon? It's when the church thrives. It's when the church really explodes in growth. And people are a little more worried about the world. They go back into the world. That's not a bad thing because it's easy to play pews, easy to play attendance, easy to play dress-ups, isn't it? But when that, I tell you what, when you've got 48 hours to get out of the church, otherwise we're going to blow the thing up and you've still got people that turn up to church because they believe in God's sovereign protection. They believe God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which we ask and imagine according to the power of God. He's able to deliver us. He's able to stand with us. We're talking about the mighty power and the hand of the Lord. They still turn up and God wrought a miracle on their behalf. It's incredible. I, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Is In the Bible, did you know, did you know Saul? Saul who wrote uh, a, a lot of the epistles and that. The name Saul actually means sought after. Okay, Saul means sought after. God gives him a new name, and the new name is Paul. Name is Paul, and Paul means little. You ready for this? It actually means insignificant. Why would God, who's given uh, you know, uh, names in Scripture, He comes with Saul, and He comes to his life in that, and He begins to give him a name that's now little and insignificant. And it got me thinking somewhat. The way up is down. 
It's not about exalting or lifting up our own flag and here's me and recognize me and this is what I've done and these are my accomplishments and why am I hidden and I want to be this and I want to be that and and I ask why do you want to be that and it comes down to good old flesh because I've got a rejection problem I need significance I want to be somebody I want to change this world I want the world to recognize me I want the world to look at me it's not the pathway of the cross it's not the pathway of the kingdom And I thought to myself, are we prepared in this world to live a life of insignificance? You know what I mean there? When nobody sees what we do, when nobody begins to to give us the accolades or the praise that we're hidden, it's like a faceless generation. And we do this for His glory and His honor. Because I'm telling you, two people can't sit on one throne. God cannot sit on the throne of our heart and we sit on the throne of our heart. No do. Can't do it. It's got to be one or the other. You can't be a part-time sharer. One week I'll be Lord if I'm on the throne on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, Thursday. I'll give you a Saturday and a Sunday. You'll be your shot. No, 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 no. God wants seven. Uh, it's the principle of first. Remember this? There's some things that God can't do. Remember? He can't lie. He can't be unjust. He can't be or lack of parity. He can't be unfair. Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He can't lie, remember. He can't be number two. You might say, well, God's number two in my life. No, he's not. He is number one. You might think he's number two. People that would go to a lost eternity, Christ is still number one. You might be an atheist this morning or an atheist out there saying, I don't believe in God or an agnostic and I'm not sure if there's a God. If there is, you prove it to me. But the reality of it is he's still number one. A lot of Christians, they say, well, I've just really dedicated my life to Jesus and really given them all now, and it's really awesome. And that like they've changed where God sits. Not really. God was always number one. And we honor God. So that's our first principle. I don't think we're really going to be honoring anybody too much until we honor Him. But what we try and do, we try and honor ourselves. Talk about that. Here's a scripture for us. I know you guys don't do this. But Proverbs talks about people who do. Proverbs 27, 2, let another praise you. How is that? Let another person praise you and not your own mouth. Let a stranger do it and not your own lips. Another translation, let somebody else honor you for your own accomplishments. For self-praise is never, ever appropriate. We honor the Lord. We inquire of the Lord. We ask Him first. I was in a meeting, talking to someone the other day, and he was in a meeting with our Christian pastors and brothers and sisters and that, and there's all sorts of communication and talk. Should we do this? Should we do that? How's it going to look? How's it going to be shaped? What do you think we should do? And he said this, hey, guys, not wanting to be the sad guy, but he said, have we asked the Lord what He wants to do? Have we bothered to inquire of Him? It was silence. It's just like... What a great idea. Never thought of that. We're running the church. We should inquire of God. But that's the same with our business. Sometimes we like to, let me tell you this, sometimes we like to go on the internet, give us five steps running a successful business. Why don't you ask the Lord and say, God, show me. Because sometimes there are no answers to COVID-19. There's no formula. We haven't been there yet. There's a lot of uncertainty and doubts, but it doesn't mean that your business needs to pack in it might, mean that it might be the very thing that actually propels and catapults your business in the land of miracles and the land of blessing right here and right now because you've tapped into the voice of God. God speaks to His people. 
God talks to us. If you want it, you can have it. Okay. Honor. King Herod. King Herod, they, uh, here, there was some contention going on. He brought the people in and then began to say to King Herod, they said, oh my goodness. They said, you know, King Herod, your voice sounds like a God. I stretched it out. I worked it out. It must have been a few minutes. He never gave glory to God and said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just a man. You know what the Lord did? He struck him down and killed him. This is tough Christianity. I thought Jesus was in a nice blouse and walking around with long hair and rubbing oil into my back. And No, we're talking about sovereign creator here. I think sometimes we need to change our entire uh, uh, thinking of paradigm. Moses went out into the promised land. The Bible says Moses never got to the promised land because he struck, and there's a whole teaching about Christ and crucifixion that, but he struck the rock. He was told to speak to the rock. Water would come out. He got upset with the guys, got frustrated as a leader, and actually oh, struck it. And the Lord said, you have dishonored me before the people. You will this is Moses interfaced with God. The Bible says he was the most humble man. He was God's favored man. And yet he never made it because he dishonored God. Unbelievable. Uh, we've also got Eli and his sons. God brought judgment on this house of Eli. Because he never brought his sons into submission, he never honored God. Some of us, we want the breakthroughs. We want the Benjamins. We want the fruitful living. We want the blessing. I'm telling you, there's some basic bottom line principles. If we do it, it'll work for us. Honor. Honor him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. It's a true message. I pray that our hearts aren't cold on this. It's, it's like I look at people's lives at times as a pastor, and I think, man, I love you to bits, and I don't know how to say this, but sometimes I think, how do I say this? Are you not to blame? Does somebody else walk in your body? Does somebody else use your members? Does somebody else grab your fist through the wall? Does somebody else use your mouth to scream at your wife and bash the children? Does somebody else do that? And we kind of want God or the pastor to ray, to get a magic, a magic wand and help my circumstance. Please pray for me. And I'm going to say, I love you to bits, but pray for yourself. I'm not, I'm not a magic man. Some people think the pastor, because he's got a nice suit on, God's more favoring me than you. No, God favors a humble heart. Just thought I'd throw that out inquiring of the Lord, asking God, what do you want us to do? David did it. Don't presume on God. Ask him, talk to him. Korah came against Moses, dishonored him as a leader. The Bible says the ground miraculously opened up and swallowed him and a clan went down. It put the fear of God in the whole of Israel. Moses, it needed because God had to shift them through. It's the principle of first. Saul with the sacrifice didn't honor. Samuel said, man, he said, you've taken my role. I'm the priest, you're the king. It is written, you're not supposed to sacrifice. You did it out of the fear and because the armies were against you and I, I had delayed. It was a time of trusting, a time, of, time where you could trust God. You had only 600 armies, there were thousands rallying, but you panicked. You pushed the, press, the panic button. And you decided to take the role that was never given to you. That's my role as the priest. Because of this, the kingdom of God has been ripped away from you. He dishonored the priesthood. 
I love to put this in modern day terms, but I think sometimes we've dishonored the Lord. We wonder where His presence is. We have a uh, new prime minister. It's very easy, very easy for some of us, and I'm going to distance myself because I don't do, but some of us, actually it's very easy to talk against a politician. Talk about the principles and a policy. Say you don't agree with the policies, the principles, that's okay because we're a democratic well, but don't, don't run down people. I think, I think it's true. Get honor in us. Never run down our boss. Man, I'm shooting out there. Never run down our bosses. Leave the work. Get out of there and stop being a hypocrite. Leave if you're not happy. Honor God with our wealth. Who owns your money? Does he? I don't think so. <laughs> not for some people. I'll give it to you. Beautiful day, so you better handle this one. Who owns your money? Who owns your children? Have you dedicated them to the Lord? Have you brought them before the Lord and say, Lord, these are your children. I'm the caretaker. I'll be listening to you to bring them up in the ways of the Lord. Okay, these are people we should be honoring in our community. You ready? The elderly. Leviticus says, 1932, you shall rise up before the gray-headed. You know what that means? Old person walks in, stand up. I've had old people walk in the meetings and I've been told by them not to sit down. Old people, now I say disrespectfully, I'm going that way, but let me tell you this. Old people, there is a time where they actually lose confidence. They lose their esteem. They're not techni technological savvy, uh, a lot of them, and it's just like they've worked hard and the generations now are going so fast, and, but the Bible says rise for them. It's true, we should honor the elders elderly people like that love them love them love them there was a there was a guy called Ross Tahima he was actually in a, in a gang that I knew him in, in New Zealand and he's a Maori guy at high school actually but part of this and I used to hear they said you know what Ross does Ross does he said Ross uh, is a tough guy he's a big guy and he was a, he was a scrapper and all sorts of stuff and Ross was quite an honorable guy do you know what he used to do and I'm not justifying that behavior by any means but this is what he did he used to get older people and walk them across the road. Seriously, you know how the walkers, they've got those things and the traffic and stuff. He, Ross, used to say, hold up the traffic. That's what he used to do, hold the traffic up. And nobody messed with Ross. Even the Kenworth stopped. Okay, he's bigger than the Kenworth. And uh, used to, uh, vehicles used to stop up a nine-eye there and he used to say, he used to, used to hold them like this. Oh, I thought he was a bit of a he-man. What a good thing to do. Let's give Ross a hand. He doesn't know we're thinking about him 35, 40 years later. Act of righteousness still lives on. Honor the face of the old man. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Employers, 1 Timothy 6, consider masters worthy of honor. And then it says, don't despise them. Ha, mate, you've seen the way he's running the accounts? If I was running the accounts, mate, it'd be just easy. Yes, ah, the direction we're taking as a company, <laughs> <laughs> leave your keys, leave your car, leave your cell phone and just resign. Or it's his business. I'm not saying, I'm saying if, he, if he's doing something morally wrong, that's a separate issue. That might be a police issue. But I'm saying have a right spirit. Don't run with the crowd on criticism like this. It's horrible because hey, as Christians, it's really a bad, I'll tell you a dishonor, when we begin to malign people like that, we're supposed to be the Christian. We're supposed to be God. You know who we've really dishonored in that? 
Him. We've been a shocking representation of God. Civil leaders, it says, honor the king, 1 Peter 2.17. Church leaders, 1 Thessalonians 5.12. Know them that labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish them and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Church workers, lay people. Uh, Philippians 2.25, hold such in reputation because the work of Christ. Hold such in reputation, honor. And it says, uh, 1 Timothy 5.3, honor widows who are widows indeed. And then it says, church members, that's everybody here. This is Romans 12.10, in honor, preferring one another. In other words, it's putting your need above my need. How about that? I'm telling you, the soul of the church, if we bless it with honor, that's when the miracles outbreak. If you want a great home, a great household, a great marriage, we cut down the criticisms. We cut down the, the fault finding or the sarcasm or the, the ridicule or the undermining, all that sort of stuff. Get rid of it. That's the devil's tools. It's the devil's work for disunity. We begin to honor. We begin to establish one another in the things of grace and the things of God. Let's give the Lord a hand. Okay. All right. Now we're going to move into this area, husbands and wives. You ready for this? Might as well do it. We're down the road now. Can't go back there. Honor the marriage. Now listen, Mark 10, 7 and 9, and this is a real true issue. It says this, because of this, a man will leave his father and mother and is to live with his wife. The two will become one, one flesh. So when you have uh, sexual relationships with somebody, you actually become one bond. Okay. In a marriage, you become one bond with the person. The two will become one. They are no longer two people. Now, they have two personalities, two individual persons, but really their soul actually meshes together. The two become one. Sticking like glue, it actually means. So in other words, if you have two pieces of paper, you glue it together with PV glue, PVC glue, put it together and try and pull it apart, that's what happens in divorce. That's why it's just a, the hurt, the, the betrayal, adultery. It's just like a, it, it's more than just a friend betraying you. No, no, because you've become one with that person. We teach that on our encounter weekends. You'll know that. All right. A husband and wife, and I'm going to throw this out to you, 1 Corinthians 11.3, it's called the first law, the first law. The husband and wife, you ready for this? It is the first family priority. And I, and I know that I'm going to be speaking to people today, and I, I, I say I love you as I say this, but I, it is an issue on our island. It's a big issue in New Zealand. It's a big issue globally. The first relationship is this. When you leave your father and you leave your mother, when I left Angela and Don, who've both passed away now, parents, natural parents, I left them, and Natasha actually left uh, Terry and Kathy Mundy. We became one by covenant. We become one flesh, okay? She left her parents. She still honors them and respects them and loves them as she does today. We love them tremendously and buy gifts to them, ring them regularly and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, we are a unit unto the Lord. I've had to leave Donald Cargill, dad and mom, and leave them, and thank you very much. Their role was to train me in righteousness for this moment, that when I got married, this is it. I chart my own course now. That's it. I don't run back to mummy. My mother Angela over here was not my second wife. 
Come on now. I don't go running back. I, uh, 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 I can go back to my dad and say, hey, dad, what do you reckon we should do with the accounts? I've got this thing. Dad says I should do this. And guess what I do? I go do it and I don't tell my wife. That's an error. I dishonored her. I bring her in the loop. She doesn't know anything about business. Or she doesn't even want to know anything about bring her in the loop. You must be there. You must be present. You must listen. God will speak to you. It's important we get a witness, dad and mum. Me. I get a witness with Natasha. This is direction. It's not me decide to do what I want to do and she just follows me like a trail and a snail. You hear me now? This is how we've done it. Or alternatively, even worse. The girl says, oh, my dad a businessman, and he says that. I know you don't have any business experience, darling, and uh, what would go with my dad and that? And the husband goes, oh, okay, oh, okay. Well, I'll just, no, 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 I say get yourself some scone, uh, brain. Get yourself some education and uh, agree together. Upskill, you know what I'm saying now? Look, these are real issues because, hey, look, the divorce rate is pretty full on. Broken marriages, that's why people don't even want to get married these days because they're seeing shocking role models. It was never to be that way. And if you want to see what the interest of the enemy is, see what he's wrecking, families, even the redefinition of families today. So go back, we've got to do this thing right. We only get married once, do it right. A little qualification if there was a death there. The husband and the wife are the first priority. Now, you ready, girls, you ready for this? I need to qualify this, and I thought I would uh, teach it or equip us. If your husband is a gambler, it's best, respectfully, that you take the money and organize the household finances if he's got a major addiction. Okay. If there's abuse going on in the home where the father is punching and hitting kids uh, in a wrong way, obviously, then you need to protect those children as first priority. So you understand what I'm saying. So there's a qualification to what I'm going to say now. However, if it's a normalized family and there's just bits and pieces, the husband and wife, you are one, you are priority before the children. Wow. Because often girls fall out of love with their husbands and they put all their identity in their children. They love their children so much. It's about the children. It's all. No, 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 it's supposed to be about him. It's called the law of first mention. God created Adam and Eve. Now, here's the reason why. If we do it God's way, we're going to get God's results. We can't improve upon the way He's outlined it in the Word. Now, here's how this goes. If you love one another as Christ loved the church, husband and wife honoring, respecting, recognizing, cherishing, involving, empowering, uh, whatevering. Do you know what happens? The children grow up in a whole environment. They see daddy. They look, the best relationship they can see on this earth is the one between father and mother. Do you know in Encounter Weekend, most of our issues actually come out because of dad and mum or an absence of dad or an absence of mum. Conflicts, beatings, thrashings, dishonor, adulteries, broken families, and then all of a sudden, Johnny's got to be what? He's got to be whole in the world, full of confidence, full of self-esteem? No, he's shattered on the inside. He may try and arrogantly have it on the outside, but there's a hurt and pain on the inside that will dictate his decisions. Hurt people hurt people. 
And so, but when, when husband and wife are together and they're made whole and we're doing this thing according to the Lord, we are building our relationship according to the Word of God. We're honoring God first, seeking first, and we're honoring each other this way. The Jonathan and Natasha honoring this way. The natural overflow, it flows down on the children. That's, come on, this is how it's supposed to have been. But what we do, we try and say, our oh, children, he looks, actually my son looks more handsome than my uh my husband, uh, and uh, he's a good sports player. My husband wasn't that great, but my son, man, I see him stripping past those kids and that. Do you know what? Because we're lacking in here. We put our identity into the children. Man, I, wasn't, I wanted to be a dancer. I never had those opportunities, but my girl can dance. And it's kind of, we put all our esteem into the children, and there's a place for that, but I'm telling you, there's an order to it. There's an order to it. Seek ye first. I have to say this again. Repetition, seek ye first. If we seek Him, He knows how to honor what's ours. We put Him first. If a nation puts God first, there will always be economic blessing. The, 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 the nation humbles itself before the Lord. The Lord says He will heal the land. So we honor God first, seek ye first. And then when we're together, we, we married each other and we're doing this thing right. And if we haven't, we can stitch it up by repentance and asking each other forgiveness. And if we've, we've blown it so far, look, to, to this morning we can change things. And God is a miracle worker and it can change the circumstance just like that as He changes our hearts because we honor Him. Lord, I've done it wrong. I've undermined my wife. I've undermined my husband. I've not even consulted her. I've done my own thing. I've run my, we're kind of professional, uh, uh, Christ, uh, professional, uh, no, no, like uh, ships in the night and I'm doing my thing, she's doing her thing I'm telling you what if you repent and you come back to Christ to build it according to his word now remember I have said this whatever is not built according to the kingdom of God gets shaken remember we've done all that teaching build a marriage according to the world and the fleshly principles it's going to get shaken it's going to get but you humble yourself and you build it according to God's word you build it that way and then you begin to love one another honoring one another and you know what I mean I'll show you a principle of honor is this the wife says I think we need help the husband says no we don't that's a dishonor right then listen to her heart don't shut her down because of your own pride your own insecurity oh we don't need help what are you some marriage guru she wouldn't even be saying that go for help Seek you first, God, marriage together, blessing upon children. It works. Let's give the Lord a hand. Men dishonors the marriage when he puts work before his wife. Woo! The woman dishonors the man when she gets in the circle and begins to undermine her husband because she's competitive. The husband dishonors the wife when he does not discipline the children. He abdicates and, oh, you do that. No, you take your place. You take your place, you good self. Honor should be what God thinks first, how to fix his kingdom, then how does it affect my, my partner, how to fix my children, how does this ex affect my extended family next. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.